Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We're looking at John Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man, getting right there toward the end. And back with us today, we have Nick Exposito from Fantasy Flicks League. Hey, Nick. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yay! Thrilled to have you back to talk about this minute. We're getting right uh, right close to the end here on today's show. We're looking at minute 117. The minute starts with Tony telling Miss Potts that that will be all. And it ends with Rhodey leaning in to Tony to whisper something in his ear. So we're finishing up the last minute. It's it's uh, the very beginning of this is uh, kind of that uh, callback to that line earlier that uh, will that be all, Mr. Stark? That will be all, Miss Potts, that we had earlier in the film. It's weird. Uh, it's weird how the delivery plays here because it is done in such a way where it's so different from the first time they deliver that back when she's finished changing the RT device in his chest that. I didn't even recognize it as a callback with that line until I was reading it in the script. And I'm like, oh, I've seen this before. It's just the way that she doesn't quite finish it. And he kind of delays it and everything. I love the way they deliver it here. But it's, it's weird how it's not done in a way where it's like, hey, remember this from before? Did you guys notice it as a callback or did it kind of uh, pass by you guys too? Oh, it totally passed by me. I did not catch it until you started talking about it. I don't know why. I mean, I feel like I should have. But it, it uh, is it a callback that's actually played in subsequent movies between them? No, I think I mean, it's just a kind of thing. The, and it, is it from the comic? It feels like a comic line, right? Is that, uh, and that'll be all, you know? Oh, like, no, I just think like it's something cute from. that they wrote here. I, I don't recall that ever in the comics. Okay. But it it still is done in a way where it's like, it's buried. Oh, did you notice it, Nick? Yeah, that. Yeah, to go back to the comics question, yeah, that's not really something that uh, comes up there. But no, I, I didn't really notice it the first time until just now when you pointed it out, which is interesting. It be, I love the way it's delivered here, and I think your your point is apt, Andy, but um, it, it's delivered in such a way and with such sort of an intimacy between them um, it, that it's it may be too subtle for me. <laughs> <laughs> to get that it was a callback. <laughs> it, well, it, you know, it shows also, you know, they're, they don't know where they're at in the relationship yet either. Like, you know, there's yeah. definitely yeah. the tension, there's the dancing, the flirting, but then it's, you know, she, in the previous scene, she delivers the the stinger of like, oh yeah, you know, you left me after trying to be all, you know, sweet talky <laughs> to, you know, to him. And then uh, th- this kind of like just has that tinge of like, well, okay, fine. The subtext between the two of them is, thick right now because even though she gets to be snarky here you know that she's snarky with with intent yes absolutely snark with intent to romance <laughs> <laughs> and again it's nice that we don't get that i mean this is really the last moment we have with pepper in the film we get to mm-hmm. see her here and then you know very briefly once tony starts talking we cut to her uh, from behind as we see her watching Tony talk on the monitor and just kind of push past her into the screen. And that's it. That's the end of Pepper for the film. Do you guys feel like we wanted more of her? Should she have been in the room at the press conference? Or are you? is it fine just having her kind of standing there and this is the goodbye to Pepper, the kind of the end of that moment is really this, is this, you know, will that be all Mr. Stark? That will be all Miss Potts. Yeah, I think it's fine uh, because it, it, it kind of sets up and it leaves the relationship hanging. And you can, I mean, I guess it's obviously they were planning 
something with this film as you know you want you know people have seen it you see the stinger and all that so i i think it's it's good that they leave it where they where they do so it's it's definitely in limbo it's in question and then you know it allows them to obviously flesh it out in subsequent films um so yeah i think i think it's great where they leave it off I think it's great where they leave it off also because the next like woman that we see with a central sort of spotlight on her is the one woman that he had a uh, one night stand with right earlier in the film. Yeah. Like we talked about this sort of womanizing of the, the Wayne uh, womanizing going on at Wayne Manor. Well, this is this is these are sort of the shackles that Tony Stark has has, you know, shaken off. Uh, through his relationship with Pepper. And I love that there's that sort of intimacy that he has with her. And then he comes back and there's, and and now we're in a sort of confrontation mode um, with this other, you know, strong woman from earlier in the film. And the interplay there is also very good. It's very different from Pepper. Like he's almost intimidated by Pepper. Whereas this, you know, she's, there's a, I don't know what I'm kind of quite looking to say or what, how to describe it, but there's definitely like a more aggressiveness between the two. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's kind of, you know, it's just interesting showing Tony as, again, two different people, the playboy, how he just maybe treats objects like, or objects like women, <laughs> women like objects. <laughs> uh, that's a line from a movie. That's somewhere. a different type yeah, of movie. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, but anyway. Uh, it's called Lucy uh, by Luc Besson, yes. in which USB sticks are all women. <laughs> I love the uh, the the difference in interplay between these two female characters and Tony. Right, right. It's really good. You can. T- I, I almost feel like she is what we've what we've seen with, um, you know, this with her character as the reporter, the strong reporter. That she is actually, you know, using sources like objects. You know, kind of like. And I think that that sort of confrontation where we see where she's come from and how she's she doesn't trust Tony because of who he is, uh, and and yet. Uh, they ended up sort of using each other. Um, I, I think is this this is a nice uh, sort of callback to that, in that we see how their relationship has has evolved, and now is this relationship of confrontation. I think it's really it's really nice. When you uh, go to the shot where Tony's kind of walking up to the podium, it's very interesting how she's framed. She's very front and center, standing out amongst all of the more darker tone suits. You know, like it, you have the blonde hair. It's 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 definitely you. It's setting up something there. It's 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 like oh, you know, look at me. I'm here to you know be angry with you, Tony Stark, for the way you treated me. <laughs> Well, and she's not moving, right? And I noticed that right, right away that the 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 entire press scrum here is a you know is a wash with movement, but her she's standing out, and you it, it again is that that use of movement is one that she uh, you know really highlights her position in the frame. Yeah, she's very still. She's very uh, her coloring. Everything is very designed to set her apart from everyone else, which is really nice. In this in this pool of the dark black and and dark gray suits, she stands out in this in this really light gray suit with her striking blonde hair, just sitting there completely still. And it it works really nicely to kind of set her as this person who really doesn't buy into the whole Tony Stark thing that everyone else buys into. You know this 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 industrialist who's great and everybody kind of loves his swagger and laughs at his jokes and she's clearly over that and and it's great and she's always the one who's pushing him from the very beginning of the film when she's asking you know what do you think of your nickname the merchant of death mm-hmm. We've, it's it's a great little 
thing that we see her, despite the relationship that they end up, the sexual relationship they they have when when he has her over, she still is the one. Like when we, he goes to the fundraiser, and she's the one who confronts him about his weapons in Gulmira. And I love that she kind of she just doesn't buy it, and she's here very specifically to to kind of push him again. It works nicely, and I like that they keep bringing her back for that. Well, and looking at the reporters that we have, uh, it's it's interesting. I was like scrolling through, scrubbing through the the shots, looking at all the reporters because we did have four very specific reporters back in the sit-in in in the first press conference that we have in this film, and one of them actually speaks. He asks Tony, "He's like, what happened to you over there?" That was Ben Newmark along with the other three, uh, I don't see them anywhere here. And I'm kind of surprised that they didn't decide to let's have those back as well to kind of call back that, you know, these reporters keep coming to Tony. But I I don't know, I guess I found it odd that of all the reporters, uh, I mean, it makes sense that Christine is highlighted, but I'm surprised that those other four aren't highlighted as well. I don't know. Does that or does that even phase you guys? I didn't notice it. Yeah. right away no, that was something that um but that is an interesting callback because i guess we kind of or if they did have a callback there i guess because that kind of keep some interesting continuity in the little mini press universe of the marvel cinematic who are these press agents i want to know well i i just get the feeling like when we're looking at these like we we need her to stand out a lot, right? I mean, we need to her to be the central point of attention in the press pool. And um, I, I think if you put any other familiar faces in there, does is is that does that serve as a distraction? Well, and I guess I guess that I mean that's a good point, especially in the financial sense. Uh-huh. If you're really wanting her to be the one who stands out, do you want to pay actors who are SAG actors, or do you just want to pay background talent? You know, to that end, I can see why it probably just yeah. makes more sense to to not go that route. Well, and let me just say this. The guy sitting immediately behind her should be <laughs> double because he's amazing. He's so into it. Too. He is. He's deeply into it. I'll bet he learned shorthand for this role. He <laughs> takes furious notes. Uh, you know, some of these other people just have their tape recorders up. He is just scribbling away. And oh, it's, yeah. it's great. And he's, you know, just very, like, those eyebrows are moving up and down. Like, he's he's full on into this. He's fantastic. I was hoping I could figure out who he was, but he seems to be one of the uncredited extras <laughs> who's not on IMDb. Sadly, because he needs notice. What about the guy next to her left? Uh, he's a stoic. He is another one who's so focused on Tony and very concerned. Well, and he doesn't like he's not taking notes or anything. Like some of these no. people, like I feel like they're extras, and I'm like, I, I I get it, your your press, but you know you should be taking notes or at least have a recorder. And it's strange to me that he's doing nothing. He's just <laughs> yeah. sitting there, <laughs> yeah, hands folded, listening with that very kind of concerned look on his face. Well, and to that point, the guy next to him is he's there only really to to, I guess, emotionally cheer on her and her questions. He also is not writing anything down. Why do they put in this front row two guys who are (laughs) front row reporters with no means of recording or writing down anything that is said in this press pool? They are useless to their affiliates. Please. They might be John Favreau's Favreau's golf buddies or something. Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, right, his doctor, right, exactly. you know, it's just like, oh, don't worry, I'll put you in there. <laughs> That's my proctologist. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, going back to the scene, I think it really does, you know, Andy and Pete, you both said, you know, having her on the corner dressed differently, it really emphasizes her because she's also in the second film. So she mm-hmm. has some kind of continuity to carry over and it highlights her importance to this, at least at this particular time to the Iron Man story. Like she's going, has another part to play or she yeah. hasn't gone or won't go anywhere. Right. And yeah, and that's right. actually nice. I like that she does end up getting to come back and we get more of her, which will be fun to talk about in a couple of years. It's it is a it's it's a great moment that we have uh just this whole thing with with him. It's actually really funny the way that he kind of starts his speech and he's just he has that joke that he has right at the start. I'm going to stick with cards this time. He does it. He seems appropriately awkward, you know, like he seems used to being in front of the press all the time, but he also seems like, you know, I, I embarrassed myself last time. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to try to try to do what they're telling me this time. And he's very combative, especially with her at the very beginning when they start talking. Oh, that look that he gives her. I know it's confusing. Yeah. Oh, he is just so belittling right there. It's <laughs> He's so mad and he conveys so much like just annoyance in that face. It's it's so awesome. It's so good. It just, again, leads to how much they really, you know, nailed and got, you know, getting Robert Downey Jr. to play this part was just a stroke of genius. Oh, he's so good here. And just all the stuff. It, it It's such a great, the way that he plays all of this, you know, I know it's confusing, you know, all this. And it's just like, you know, you know, never, you know, calling me a superhero. I never said you were a superhero. The way right. she throws that back at him. Is, yeah. Is so well, and when, he, when he turns around and says that would be crazy oh, and outlandish and exhausting awesome. and fantastic. <laughs> Her look back to him is so subtle and such daggers. I just, they're just great. This interplay is so perfect. Yeah. His eye movement throughout this scene, like he's just, you know, obviously the way he's playing it is like, he is just, I gotta, I'm composing myself. I'm trying to stay straight here. I don't want to say what I want to say, which he ends up saying it's, it's perfect. Well, and I think that it speaks to what we think of as heroes and kind of what we've been saying in the last couple episodes, this whole idea of who is a superhero and and this kind of this ironic character that we have here in Tony Stark as our hero is kind of different for us. And he says, I'm just not the hero type. Clearly, with this laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I've made, largely public, it's nice to to say this is a guy who's uh okay he's uh, you know a, a billionaire he's uh, this this playboy he's this uh you know genius and all this sort of stuff but there's a lot of things that seem very human about him and i think that helps us connect with him and i think it i don't know i just i i feel like that it's something that we haven't seen in these heroes before where we're like oh i totally can see myself in tony stark even if i'm not that genius inventor and all that sort of stuff this just speaks to marvel you know all of their characters and that and that's what i love about marvel you know comics in general is that they have gone out of their way to create these characters that all have real human flaws and are super super relatable um i think that's what makes marvel comics and again all of these characters in this universe resonate with people so much more than you know the other guys I think that's one of the most interesting strategies that they went with. I mean, we've talked a number of times uh, in this particular series about, you know, how weird it is that they chose to start with Iron Man for so many reasons, right? But this is one that I think is most compelling, that he is 
the character whom at the end of the movie uh, represents something different than every other superhero movie out there. And he's setting it up in this minute and the the T home in the next minute, I think, is is a um, it, it is why this movie stands out different than DC, different than all of the Sony takes on superheroes uh, leading up to this point. It, it makes this character unique. It's terrific. I'm speaking prematurely here, so I'm having to rein myself in because I also haven't seen the last minute of the movie. Right. I know, I know. Yeah, because we kind of go right up to him talking about his mistakes. That's uh, yeah. And then, of course, and then Rhodey, because uh, Tony is at this point where he's just kind of, he's been going off on this tangent. You know, he started saying, I'm going to just look at my cards. And then, of course, he doesn't. And yeah. uh, this is kind of our, our last little moment with Rhodey. We ha- well, we'll have a little bit in the next minute. But Rhodey, you know, he kind of, you know, as the guy who's kind of managing Tony, he we see Terrence Howard standing there and he kind of, uh, you know, it looks like he's kind of, you know, being as stoic as he can, but just kind of realizing it's derailing. And he kind of uh, <laughs> does his thing. He's just like, I better lean over here. And uh, that and that's where we end the minute as, as he starts leaning in to uh, uh, say something to Tony, maybe... Uh, Maybe give him a kiss on the cheek. Who knows? What is he going to do? Yeah. Time to get out of <laughs> here. Clipbanger. Clipbanger. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, do you guys have anything else for this minute or should we, uh, should we push onward? We've got uh, a big minute next, next time. I'm ready. I'm do- yeah. Let's do it. I don't even know. What do we do after this with our days? Uh, <sighs> it's going to be fun. Uh, lots, of, <laughs> lots of, lots of words. <laughs> Lots and lots of words. Oh, you know, I, 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 uh, well, no, I guess I'll save that. I, I wanted to talk about the script and the way that this scene is scripted, but I think we will save that for next time. But I will okay. say the one thing actually I will say is that we cut into this scene with Rhodey mid speech in front of the reporters. And I have a feeling that they filmed all of this. And I think that this is what Rhodey was saying on the TV when we had our conversation with, uh, with agent Colson last week in the last few minutes, um, Rhodey was saying, I can confirm that a series of military test prototypes were involved in the incident at Stark industries last night. I can also confirm that there was for a brief time, the danger of an arc reactor incident, which was rectified without injury to the public and all power outages have been restored. Here now to answer a few brief questions is Tony Stark. And then, uh, so that's that's kind of um, the, the lead-in that, that Rhodey had had. So now we know. I guess there's one thing that is interesting because, you know, she calls him a superhero and or, or however that, you know, that plays out. And he's like, oh, I never said the word superhero. I wonder if in this universe, if they already knew or maybe they retconned later on that superhero means something different. Like, you know, because in the timeline, Captain America had already happened and was pretty famous, you know? Famous, but gone. Yes, famous, but gone. So I'm wondering if when they say superhero, it's like, well, I never said I was a superhero, as in relating to someone like a Captain America. I mean, I might be reading way too much into it or skipping too far ahead in these these minutes, but it's just something I kind of thought about after rewatching the scene. Well, and what's interesting about that, like famous, but gone, but certainly not in Tony Stark's lab, like, and certainly not in Tony Stark's family history. Like, clearly, there is some awareness of the uh, lore of, you know, Captain America, even though we haven't seen him in a while, because his tech is peppered throughout this movie. Right. Do you think Tony knew much about that? Or do you think his dad kept it silent? I mean, I know we had the shield chunk that was laying in his in his workshop but do you think tony knew much about what that actually was and all of the story of captain america i wonder if he knew 
Or do you think his dad kept it pretty secret? Well, it's it's interesting because, you know, why do S.H.I.E.L.D. agents show up? I, mean, I know they got the, because of the arc reactor and all that. Are they keeping an eye on Tony? Are they, are, are they aware that maybe he has something? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Well, because, I mean, Tony acts like he's never heard of S.H.I.E.L.D. before. And his dad, uh, you know, was a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so... Yeah. How how did that unfold? And so it makes me wonder, like, because, you know, you have stories and I don't know because my family's not in any sort of covert things, at least that they've told me. But that's the whole thing is like when your family or when anyone, you know, is involved in some sort of covert government organization, there's a cover story. You may not ever mm-hmm. know that there's actually yeah. a whole secret side to them. So I wonder if Howard Stark was always like, you know, the military um, uh, manufacturer. But the whole S.H.I.E.L.D. thing was kind of this covert thing that that even his family didn't necessarily know about. Yeah. Yeah, like, dad dad works for the government, right? That that can be, like, all he knew. It it could very well be. I think it still opens the door to what is that weird icon of a S.H.I.E.L.D. doing in his lab. Right. Just, (laughs) I just have a feeling that he knows you know, more. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Well, Nick, would you like to remind everybody where they can find you out there online? Absolutely. Uh, everyone who is listening, you can find me at uh, and the rest of my crew on uh, fantasyflixleague.com. Uh, that's Flix spelled with F-L-I-X. Uh, to describe what it is, it has been likened to fantasy football but for indoor kids. So you can go on and uh, create a league uh, and uh, invite your friends to play within that league. And what they do is they can draft films to add to their team and they compete by earning points through uh, their box office take or their Metacritic rating. And you can uh, trade these teams back and forth throughout the season. And it's completely free. Go online, check it out. There's a video tutorial if I explained it horribly. Um, Yeah, it should get you all set up. What I love about it is the irony of indoor kids playing fantasy football. I am an indoor kid, and I have no idea how to do this. So <laughs> you spent a few minutes after we recorded yesterday's show explaining it to me, and I'm very excited to say that I've started our own league, and we're going to start playing this and encourage others to jump in and, and play along with us. Uh, so it's, it's the grand experiment. Uh, this is what we're going to do with our time once we finish this show. <laughs> A lot of deep diving, a lot of numbers. So, oh, and and we also have a podcast ourselves. We're on all the major platforms. Just look for the Fancy Flicks League podcast. Um, Listen to us. We it's a weekly show. We break down the box office. Uh, We also like talk about coming attractions and sort of predict how well movies will do. So, if you're looking for films out there and maybe want to trade or drop something, uh, we kind of analyze it that way as well. Super cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord and chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at thenextreel.com slash Patreon. Until next time, true believers. True believers.